This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back. Kelly McDonald here with Ramia Amuthan. I'm settled in here in the London, Ontario home studio. Grey jacket back as well for our second hour. Hello. Yes, I'm wearing a uh, short sleeve top. It's actually a turtleneck, but it's short sleeve. And it's got light grey and dark grey and diamonds on it. Not like sequins, just printed diamonds. Wanted to clarify that. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. And folks, we want to make an announcement. Of course, we have talked about this since the debut of the program. Enter now for a chance to win a Tempur-Pro adaptive mattress. Tempur-Pedic mattresses are designed with one-of-a-kind temper material to precisely adapt to your weight, shape, and temperature, offering unmatched comfort and support. For complete rules and how you can enter to win this, visit ami.ca slash kr contest and the dream big contest runs until february 8th so you have some time some breathing room but you know what happens when you get thinking that you don't worry about it and then you're panicked trying to qualify so just keep that date in mind uh, that is uh february the 8th your chance to last qualify uh, for this wonderful prize that uh, we're giving away over here. And we uh, really are excited, and it's been tremendous so far. A lot of people uh, a lot of people checking it out. As mentioned, Rami and Kelly here, and it's time to visit with one of our committee reporters. Today, we welcome in Kim Kilpatrick, who's got news from Ottawa, Ontario for us. Kim, welcome to the show. Welcome uh-huh. back. It's been a while. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you both. And I hope you don't ask me what I'm wearing because I don't know what color it is. So don't get me all nervous all about that. Okay, so I'll uh, it's forget. Optional. I'll I'll get an idea. Yeah, exactly, definitely. And I'll think. Hold on, is it purple shirt or blue? I can't tell enough yeah. anymore to even I forget. confirm with like, my I vision. I forget so. what color. It's just yeah. I kind of know a bit, but then I forget. So it's it's, yeah. it's one of those things. Kim, I had a chance when I was shooting blindsided to shoot some over at Winterlude um, between Ottawa and you know, Gatineau. I remember going over to the huge events over there, and it was really a lot of fun. Neat characters involved with with Interlude. Uh, do you want to tell us Winterlude? I, <laughs> I took a break there. So well, Ooh, we're really worried about Winterlude this year because we really haven't had enough cold to get the canal in good shape. And I don't know. I mean, it doesn't look like the next week or so is looking like it's going to be cold enough, but you never know. Um, It runs. How much is done on the canal? I I can't remember. I know uh, we we were working on it and shot a bit on it, but is a lot of it connected with it? Yeah. I mean, initially almost everything was on the canal and even the ice sculptures were now there's, there's a lot of flexibility now. So you probably were in Jacques Cartier park, which is on the Quebec side. And that's where Mm -hmm. they have a lot of stuff for kids and they have the dog sled things and they have, you know, um, sort of slides like ice slides and other things for kids over there. There, but there isn't even, I mean, there's snow, but it's been right around freezing. So even some of that, I, I don't really know. But they do have a lot of entertainment and music and they have um, ice sculptures. When I was growing up, the ice sculptures were made by the community and you could you could touch them. But nowadays they're made by sort of mm-hmm. professional um Yes, Harvers. big time, and big time. You can touch them and they're good, but I mean, sometimes you have to pay to go in to look at them. So I don't always, oh. I, you know, I don't always do that. But it's um, neat looking at the tools that they they use oh, to do yeah. all that stuff. It's amazing oh, the saws, yeah. the ice saws, and so on. There seems to be there's a lot of music, and um, there 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 used to be quite a lot on the canal. But you're right, Kelly. I mean, but the canal is kind of the centerpiece of it because that was how Winterdoot got got started and when i was growing up we could always skate on the canal from christmas on for a while and it seems like now you just you just don't like there's no it's getting shorter and shorter the period is yeah it is i think so but there's still a lot of events and i did uh send you the link for everything that's going on and it is a fun time like you know it, it really there's it's a nice atmosphere there's a lot of good um good things and last year it was really disrupted by the uh, convoy so uh, we're hopeful that that doesn't re, re reoccur and that, that it will go on the way it should go on um 
because it is a fun. It's usually over three weekends and it's fun and uh, there's lots to do, lots to see and lots of different things for different people. So so I really recommend that people check it out. Uh, and if you're coming as tourists, you know, it's a, it's a good time to come and and find the winter things that we do. And we're so lucky here to have so much nature around us, yeah. like ski trails mm-hmm. and trails and, and skating, the skating rink, the canal and other outside skating rinks and, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of that and hills close by. So like downhill skiers can do that. And so we're quite lucky that we're, you know, within 20 minutes of kind of ski hills. Winter and, activities. I yeah, think that and, oh, and it was an awesome place. Too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but especially winter, I think that, you know, it's... It, we talked to a lot of community reporters about different things going on in the winter and all the cities like celebrating their in their own ways. But I think Ottawa has a lot, especially with the canal and fingers crossed that they could open up at some point during yeah, winter loot. But I hope so. yeah, but it seems memorable. I have friends who've, um, who don't currently live in Ottawa, but used to. And when winter loot comes around and it hits their radar, they share memories and really reminisce. So I'm hoping that people can continue that fun, especially yeah. after the pandemic. Right. Yeah, and skating that whole length, it's really nice because you hear yeah. things around you and people and it's like it's like you're not just going around and around and around. No, it's you're festive going, you're and going it's, somewhere. It's a like distance. It's like yeah, 8K, like right? Yeah. You it's something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you and you try to figure out, do I go this way? Is the wind gonna be bad on my way back? And you know, <laughs> so sometimes you're trying to figure out if you start in the middle, which way should you go first? And you know, so you'll go under bridges so you can hear that. Like if you're blind, you know, like oh. you'll go under a bridge and you can hear that. And, you know, it's just nice. Like it's nice. Yeah. It feels to like you're going somewhere and it, it is. It's yeah. a nice route to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you hear people around you and, you know, it's just, it is. It's, it's really nice. So it's a vibe. Uh, well, we'll put up on our blog the information that you sent about Winterlude and everything else we'll talk about, ami.ca slash Kellyco. That's still our web our blog address. But let's talk about the Undercurrent Theater Festival in Ottawa next. Yeah, so that always goes right during Winterlude, and that's uh, that's kind of like the next stage in Toronto. So it's like a winter version of the Fringe, and it runs this year from February 8th to the 18th. And I was a little bit disappointed. It's at Arts Court, which is right in the heart of downtown. Um, I was a little bit disappointed to not find ex- too much accessibility information on their site, and in past years, it's been way more than that. So I did contact them and they said they will be having some accessibility. They will be putting some things up, but I didn't yet see it up on the site. But they they have about eight or ten plays. And it, it's kind of like the fringe, except that there aren't 200 going at once. You know, there'll okay. just be one or two to choose from uh, on a given day. So it's a little bit easier to figure out than the fringe, I find. Like, I find the fringe is hard because... You know, people are running between stages and lining up for this and that. And so at Arts Court, you know, there's a couple spaces. So there might be two things going on, but you're not sort of running around all over the city looking for things. So I actually like Undercurrents. Um, I find it it's, it's it's interesting, you know, shorter plays and interesting new things. And, and I quite like it. And I usually go. I won't be going this year, but I usually go. And I hope they do say there's going to be some accessibility things up. So I, I, nice. I hope they Very put them nice. up. And I have given you the link uh, mm-hmm. to that okay. as well. Kim, Kim, do they? Do you recall? Well, I mean, you recall more than I certainly would. I've, I've never been to it, but do they have that theme? Is it just the shorter plays? Is it a certain type of of uh, shows that yeah. they're looking for when you actually apply to to be taken into it? It's shorter plays and often not too complicated because when I when I played there, like so when I did, we did our guide dog show there. So when I did that, someone comes in right after you. So you have the green room for something like half an hour or something, and then the next person mm-hmm. is in. In the French so style, just smaller. Yeah, they don't want yeah. it to be complicated. So and and usually not too long. So maybe an hour, ten minutes at the most, probably. And sometimes they'll do new works that are still sort of in in experimentation, workshopping. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Workshopping. Okay. And and those will be sort of shorter. And sometimes they'll have sort of late night stuff that's a little bit different. So it's like a mini, mini fringe, but it's 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 curated. So you're not it's not like fringe where you apply and it's sort of like you know, they do a draw to see if you get in. It is curated. So they decide who what they want. And so they 
they kind of pick their shows that they want to have there. Mm. Um, so it is a nice vibe. It's a different, it's a different kind of vibe for sure. And uh, I think people usually get four or five shows or something like that, I think. Uh -huh. Well, I just wondered because I couldn't remember if there was a particular theme, but that's awesome. And and Kim, I want to stick, but we want to work this in, of course, to theater a little bit. Speaking of your own one woman guide dog <laughs> yes. show, Raising Stanley, uh, you're going yeah. on, on the road. I'm going on the road this week. I'm going to Calgary and I'm doing 23 shows wow. at a theater wow. called The Lunchbox. Nice. Um, from February 2nd to the 19th. So if people are in Calgary, please come to the Lunchbox. And it's a it's a nice theater that does shows at lunch. Um, and so there's a couple days on weekends, we have two shows, uh, but it's mostly always at lunchtime. So that's nice for people that are, you know, having lunch and they come for a, theater, a play and then they leave and go back to work or whatever they're doing. Um, so I'm excited. I haven't really done a I've done a little bit on stage since, but nothing like this. And I've never done 23 shows. My of this. That's quite so, a run. Is it all back so, to back? Yeah. yeah days so off? The okay. second, well, Monday's off like the theater does. But uh, yeah, so it is back to back. So I guess we'll be pretty tired. And it was um, it was hard. It was sort of bittersweet. I had to take Tulia out and put Ginger in. And that's the thing when you're doing your own personal stuff, you're yes. like adapting a show and, and changing it a little bit, but keeping the the bones of the show as it is. And so I'm very excited. So if anyone uh, is in Calgary and wants to come, it's at Lunchbox Theater from February 2nd to the 19th. There are there are a couple of ASL shows, a couple of relaxed shows. And on some days there are shows where masks are, are I guess as mandatory as you can make masks, you know, okay. kind of thing. So we're course, trying Kim to cover put, all our bases. Yeah, you're trying to be sensitive to everybody, the different needs yeah. out there. We'll get it up on the block at ami.ca slash Kelly Co. Good luck with the run of the show. Well, we'll talk to you, you next month. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And uh, congratulations on your TV, TV run. Thanks, Kim. Glad to have you with us for it all. Kim Kilpatrick is our community reporter in Ottawa, Ontario. As mentioned, check out the blog for all details, especially if you want to catch her show in Calgary coming up. Coming up next, Mark Rankin is going to debrief us on his uh, consultation work on the pilot of In the Dark, the pilot that he was involved with. We'll talk to him in a moment. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. thinking about how busy Stephen Scott and the gang are going to be when they go to Vienna. Like, that's really cool. A lot of great entertainment. And I'm hoping, Ramya, we can get that feel, you know, just by listening in on their three shows that they're going to be doing live from Vienna. That, that's going to be so much fun. Yeah, it's going to be a fun month for them um, prepping for this. And and like Stephen was kind of giving us a heads up on, you know, they're they're going to discover and encounter so much because they're talking international. <laughs> Right, so there's, a, well, there's think, a lot to be done and said and learned. I think what's really great is when they do their show, it'll be that summing up of stuff they got from that day, maybe the yeah. day before. But it'll be we will be tuned into. Okay, guys, what went on today? Well, we'll tell you all about it. And again, just as much as uh, going into one of the other tech shows, there's, there's going to be so much there and so geared to uh, disability. So mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic. Kelly mm -hmm. McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Let's get into um, our monthly chat with Mark Rankin. Now, this is orientation and mobility chat, and sometimes we get specifically into the work that Mark has been doing or is up to. Let's bring him on. Where am I? Where am I going? And how do I get there? I'm Mark Rankin. As a certified orientation and mobility specialist, I've been helping pedestrians with vision loss answer those questions for decades with a few detours along the way. Join me on Kelly and Rumya for some travel tips and tall tales from the streets of Toronto. Mark, I love that uh, idea and that intro. It really sums up your work and sums up how we feel about orientation and mobility and the importance of it. But what's cool is your work has led you to some very interesting work that kind of like starts off with O&M and then ends up with other kinds of consultation. So 
shall we get right into it and talk about the work that you did on the pilot of the series in the dark um first of all before we get to your work can you remind us of the the show the program uh in the dark itself mm -hmm. yeah sure it's it's a uh, it's a show that ran on the cw network um and i think it was picked up by Netflix in US for sure. I'm not sure whether it's available on Netflix Canada. Um, it, they did four years and then it just wrapped up. There was talk about doing a fifth year, but it didn't quite pan out because um, CW had some changes in uh, ownership, I think. Um, but the basic premise was it was a, a, a girl who um, probably lost her vision as a teenager, uh, who was a young adult um, and her parents owned a guide dog school. She had a guide dog and um, she was sort of a, I guess, a, a promiscuous person. She had a lot of issues with her vision loss um, and she was kind of working through them by leading sort of a, a bit of a reckless lifestyle amongst other things. Anyway, and she gets caught up in a sort of a, a murder mystery sort of thing. Um, and uh, the, the pilot itself, they hadn't really developed where exactly it would go, but I worked consulting i was called on the set a blind one of two blind consultants not a, not a great description um <laughs> as you're called worse blind, but, right yeah. that's what you mean by that. <laughs> just going to say just yeah. to clarify yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um so the it's funny because i early on in my career i i worked at i guess metro morning had a producer come out and follow me on an o&m lesson and so it ran the next morning and I was driving to work and I was listening for it. And the intro was coming up next, you'll have a man who teaches the blind. Uh, well, he teaches them how to be blind. Oh my <laughs> so, and oh, like, my gosh. Okay. First uh. of all, that's not something you teach <laughs> any more than you teach someone how to be sighted. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm pretty good at it. No one had to teach me. Yeah. But then, you know, when I was, when I was working on on the on on the set, uh, so the star, uh, her name was Perry Matfield, and she was great. She really wanted to do her best to be sensitive in terms of portraying someone realistically who had sight loss. But I I, I thought back to that and I thought, well, here I am now teaching the sighted how to be blind. Right. It's, it's yes. even worse. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it, it was a very interesting the the, the whole premise for the show came out of a relationship. So the other blind consultant, I'm doing air quotes for that, um, on set was a blind lady named Lori Bernson. Lori works for, uh, still does work for Guide Dogs of America. Um, and their campus is just outside of LA. So in through fundraising and, and community outreach, they've developed uh, a relationship with a lot of people in the, the industry in Hollywood. And I guess, Corinne, uh, Corinne Kingsbury, who who kind of uh, was responsible for the show, show creator, she ran into Lori, loved some of her stories about just being a person out there traveling with a guide dog and all the strange situations you, you run into, um, mm -hmm. and wrote a pilot around that. And then sent the script to us and said, you know, what can we do? And there was a lot they could do because they didn't know anything really about vision loss, right? Um, despite having Lori's experiences, they just really didn't get a lot of the context. So we worked a lot on teaching her, you know, how her co-stars could guide her, um, how she would use a cane, how she would kind of get around indoors. It was, I think the big things they got, but I really felt it was really tough to, to teach things like how somebody who had vision loss for a long time would maybe reach for something. Mm. You know, what so was there's tough like a... about it, Mark? Let's pause there for a second. Is it tough because you're trying to do it in a respectful way, or is it literally something that, like, it won't be accurate if you don't do it right, and people can pinpoint that? Yeah, a little bit of both, right? So, I think a lot of people with vision loss are able to do things. They're somewhat tentative in certain things, right? So when you're walking around your house and you don't have a cane or or some sort of assistive mm -hmm. device, you tend to be a little bit more tentative because you know you got a lot of things going on and you might not be totally focused. So there might be times when you have to correct where you are, but you do it in a way that's graceful yet tentative. Yeah. <laughs> and I find yeah. that, and I I've had the opportunity to work with other people who are pretending to be blind or acting blind. Um, 
And they never get that right. Like they always sort of think, oh, I'm going to be flailing around with my hands or I'm going to be perfect. I'm just going to reach, you know, yeah. I'm going to reach for that. Like they have never been put. there before. It, it's yeah. the reaction the sighted person would give if somebody took their vision away like that and yeah. they were, hey, man, where am I? It, once the panic even uh, went away. I worked with somebody doing that in the subway once who was also working on uh, something they were going to be involved in. Um, I think at that time it was maybe a play. It may have been for a show. And I was spent some time too, Mark, on that same set of that show uh, because I was cast to have a speaking role and uh, ended up not really, I did my part uh, and ended up just spending a day on there. Uh, but it was interesting talking to the writer and I thought, uh, spent a bit of time just kind of getting an idea of what they were trying to do because, you know, you're there for a snapshot as you were uh, seeing, okay, this is going to be your pilot. What is this going to be? And uh, being on set, being in an interactive role with the actors, I'm getting very little. You know, I've got my scenes, the thing I'm working on, and that's it. So you start asking those other questions about, so... Uh, what kind of background do you guys have? Or, you know, have you spoke to many consultants and stuff like that? And, of course, there's no time for people to give an answer like you would have got when your time on the, on the set. Uh, I felt, as an actor, I was there for just the experience, whether they used my content or not. I was there to say, hey, man, this is really cool. Man, there's a lot of darn people around here standing around. Yeah. So what did you actually, when working with her, what kind of, how far did they go? How many days did you have to spend on set? So we, it was three weeks. It was three weeks of shooting the pilot. I, I was there for the whole thing because um, I would, so I'd, I just have a, a headset and I would sort of, most of my time I would spend wandering around. Most of the time I would spend in the craft truck, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I was like, just going to say. I probably made five kilograms truck. of uh, chocolate covered almonds <laughs> right. on that three week. But anyway, um, and then I'd hear when they start to shoot or, or they'd block the, the next scene and I would go out to make, kind of just check what might be potential issues for her, when, whatever there was movement involved. Um, and then they would shoot it, and I would usually go through and say, "Oh, you know what? It it kind of looked funny. She, you know, she sort of avoided something that she could only have done visually, or you know, something right. happened, right? And then they would run it back and maybe uh, shoot it again. So they weren't often they weren't always crazy about me because often I would no. say that just didn't look right um, and explain it to them. And sometimes I felt that Lori and I were kind of like played off against each other. Cause they would go to Lori yep. and say, uh, this is what we did. How's it sound? And she'd say, that sounds good. And then I would watch and I'd say, Lori, this is how it looked. And she'd say, Oh, that's not so good. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I understand well, like were, in a way. And I, they were looking for that answer of approval, but not understanding the importance of it. Or are you really going down this road? Do you really want it to be accurate? Or are you kind of just. Well, talking? let's break that down a little further then because this process i mean to me it sounds okay it sounds reasonable right they had someone who was blind who had lived experience who was the uh you know ultimate inspiration behind the pilot to begin with right the muse and then they had you who works directly with the community who has expertise and in, in orientation and mobility and they've put you guys together to say you know help us consult on this and let's make it look authentic but the question it really is, like the bottom line question is, and this is a question we ask all the time when it comes to these kind of conversations, why was a blind or low vision person not playing the character to begin with? Why was it done in a way where the process was consultation by members of the community or experts in the community and not necessarily the, the star or the character being played by a disabled person? Your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's that's the big question. So um, what I was told is they did, you know, extensive casting call, um, and they could not find somebody with vision loss who they thought would be appropriate for the role. Um, I have to take them at their word for that. Um, they did what kind of for me made it a little bit uh, easier to be in that position was they made a, a really concerted effort to bring people with vision loss on in other roles. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a recurring uh, supporting character who was uh, uh, the daughter of a detective who was sort of central to the uh, one or two seasons, who was blind. She was a student at the, the w, w. Ross McDonald School at that time. Um, they had continually had uh, people who were like extras who had vision a loss. A lot of background people, yes. especially at the guide dog yes. school. Yeah, for sure on that day. Um, they had another actor from the States she came in and she was, she actually sent me later, she'd done a guest bit on CSI where she actually showcased some sort of daily living skills um, 
as part of her her character on the show, which was quite neat. Like she did a whole little. You know, she put a she put a, a marble on top of a painting to sort of level it, and did all these different things, um, which I thought was a really great showcase. Like in in her small role in this show, she wasn't able to really do much, and that was a kind of a conflict I felt too, which is. The character has flaws, so it's reasonable to expect that she'll have flaws in terms of her rehabilitation skills. Mm-hmm. As you know, me being my background being rehabilitation, I wanted to showcase perfect technique and right. do everything right. exactly the way we'd like. But I but that's not a real it. real depiction of Ramya, me, or anybody, because that that's not possible. We all adapt, all do. But of course, someone in your position, Mark, you're, well, but there's a right way. And you want to say wrong way, but we all know, just like driving, you and get the, your driver's license. Mark, progress. you drive, and you drive yep. the way you drive. All those little things that you know, I shouldn't really do this, but. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, like holding up an onion while cutting it. Uh, Mark, I, before we let you go, yeah. you, is it, it, I don't think the word is steal, but you took a gift home. Somebody gifted you something. Oh, no, no. You know what I did? I had a little, so. The, one of the last nights shooting, it was freezing, and I knew if we were outside, it was you get just really cold because I wasn't doing much except I would go in and watch Banding the video. And watching, yeah, yeah, and they'd have these little viewing villages set up, and if it was outdoors, they'd have a tent, and then they'd have propane heaters. And the, this night, uh, Ben Stiller was the executive producer, and he was in town, so it was a lot of you know everybody in the set was nervous, you know, um, and usually I would hang out in that tent, but. Because there were all these people from Hollywood, there was no room for me. I was, you know, the help. So yeah. I was freezing, and I was staying on this uh, this vent. And the security guard came up to me, and I said, "No, no, I belong here." He said, "No, oh, no, I know, but get off the vent because I stayed on that last night when I was was watching this, and I had like black suit coming out of my nose all night." So as soon as there was room in the uh, viewing village, I ducked in there, and it was just me and Ben Stiller, and so we didn't say anything to each other. We just, and then he left. So I immediately put all the the heaters, there's three heaters, I put them all around me. And I could see he was shivering outside. So he came back in and I I didn't want to make eye contact because I was warm for the first time. So about five minutes went by and he kept looking at me and looking at me. And finally I looked over and I said, I guess you're cold. (laughs) He said, yep. (laughs) So I turned the the heaters back on him because I let him have I one. Right, Mark? You turned story. one his direction. Greedy heat monster. Yeah. Oh, that's you awesome know, these Hollywood time. guys are soft. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You were the only one heater. working, Mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much. This was an interesting, always an interesting discussion when it comes to representation, but especially from the consultation viewpoint. Thank you. Yeah, great seeing you guys. Okay, Orientation and mobility on the third, uh, yeah, third Monday of the month. So check that out with Mark Rankin. <laughs> the heat monster, Mark. That's that what he is from now on. Wow. Folks, we'll step aside for a couple of moments. When we return on the other side of the break, how does our government decide which celebrations should be made statutory? Danielle McLaughlin dives into this topic on Know Your Rights. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Wherever you're listening in around the world, we appreciate it. Maybe you're over there at AMI.ca streaming the program. Thanks a lot. Always wonderful to have you with us. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. And then you've got our first repeat of the show at 10 p.m. Eastern time. So however you consume the program, we appreciate your time. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. So Mark was very, it was very interesting, his reactions. And Ramya, I just wanted to say that a lot of time, They'll put that effort in. I have no idea what a search for the mm. appropriate actor is. But I think right now we're in that phase where is there a low vision or blind actor out there with the experience of a, 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 an equivalent actor that you would feel comfortable to put in this role? And I think scouring the world, yep, if that's what they're going to do, they might find that person. But it's a very fallback, safe, hey, well, we looked around. Uh, yeah. Couldn't find that person. And it, it doesn't mean they don't exist on the planet. But on the same token, in all fairness, there's not going to, because we don't get the opportunity. It's well, not course. there yet. You For know, me, it's, it's raising it's, an eyebrow, right? Because like you said, it it, it's all so easy to come back and say, well, we tried. Um, well, 
But, you know, we, for me at least, I represent the people out there who are like, I want a job. I want to be yeah. acting. I want to know what... I would like what, to do that. Exactly. Um, well, and, you know, you want to play those characters that don't necessarily have to even have an integral part or the role be around them. But I also know we need to, as Mark said, and looking, saying, hey, you know, that's not quite the way that... A per we also have to recognize what you and I do at home working in our kitchens, working, cleaning our home, or traveling on the street is going to differ from the next person. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, but it's that, can you at least show the safety, show the efforts to be made to, to you know, cut your food and don't make it that we're all going to cut our finger off because we're unfamiliar. We may have our way of doing it. Mary Mammoliti does it this way. I, I may cut my food this way. And I know that has to come in that consulting portion too, where we can't necessarily always go for, well, this is that teaching moment for everyone. And, you know, but we want some definitely correct representation. Uh, always a topic, and we get into that here on the program and many others like that. Folks, it's time for our Know Your Right segment with Danielle McLaughlin. Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. Welcome back to the show, Danielle. Interesting topic today, interesting times. Um, let's talk about yesterday, marking the Lunar New Year, celebrated by people in China, Korea, Japan, Vietnam, and many, many others here in Canada and around the world, of course. So uh, we'd love to see where you'd like to take our conversation as most of all, we say Happy New Year to those who celebrate. That's right. Happy New Year to everyone celebrating the Lunar New Year. I hope that... It's a prosperous and peaceful year for everybody. And even if you don't celebrate the Lunar New Year, um, we have some questions that we'd like to think about because uh, I checked uh, some uh, resources and I found that there are in fact 26 different New Years celebrated around the year. That's like, um, you know, a little more than two a month. So yeah. how is it that we get one New Year's Day off when there are people in our country who may be celebrating up to 26 different New Year's? And I started thinking about, you know, how do our governments decide which celebrations should be statutory? Um, you know, it is a decision that already has been made. We have 10 statutory or general, as they are called, holidays every year. Um, interestingly, a number of these are not what we would necessarily call secular holidays. So uh, say Canada Day is a secular holiday. Uh, it doesn't have any religious implications. Um, Victoria Day, you can argue about, but it, you know, it does have to do with, with the, you know, the reign of, of the uh, royal family. Uh, in Canada. Do we want that? Do we not want that? Another question. Um, it is decided by the governor general if there's to be a new one. That, that's the person who is the head of the government in Canada and puts their stamp on that day. Um, so just a, a question. Do you think that there's a benefit to the public when there's a statutory holiday? Is that Do, do you consider that to be a benefit? Like a day off? Yeah. That's the benefit. That's the benefit. I was going to say, there, you hit it for <laughs> exactly. her right there. Yeah, it's, it's, and not yeah. only is it a day off, Remy, it's a day off with pay, mm -hmm. So, uh, which is a, the best sort of holiday, <laughs> right? So, so you know, if you have uh, upcoming in Ontario in February, we'll have Family Day, which has been declared a provincial statutory holiday, and it is not um, celebrated by one religion or another religion, but what about other organizations or or in or people for whom a statutory holiday may actually present a problem? Can you think of a place where a statutory holiday could be detrimental? Uh, you know, Danielle, it's interesting because I think of them for those who wish to utilize them as an opportunity. I think right. that if you take advantage of opportunity, maybe spend a bit of time, and, and I think about this as a lot with the Reconciliation Day, because 
it gave us an opportunity to watch, learn, and think a little bit. Do you want to spend your whole day doing that? Because we do talk a lot about the benefit of recalibrating ourselves. Is it potentially um, there a downside? It makes it tough for some people who maybe only the schools are out, maybe only certain um, you know jobs are where others are still working. So then you get balancing off the cost that maybe somebody who uh, isn't able to take advantage of being paid for that day. Those are the things that come to my mind. I I'm not sure, yeah. other than people just not bothering, like. Remembrance Day, we toss back and forth. When are they going to return to making it that kind of day that people are off so they have opportunity to go to event? Well, what about people who aren't going to do that? Uh, we tend to be a well, society that's, that worries so about you're, that. Well, you're quite right. I mean, we do, we, you know, you can't oblige somebody to think about something, thank goodness. No. You know, you can't no. say, this is a holiday where, where we spend time with family. What if you don't have a family? What if right. you don't like your family? You know, that's there are lots it. of reasons. <laughs> but if you run a business and you're obliged by the government to close well, yeah. your business on that day, and not only to close that business, but to pay your staff, even though they aren't working that day. You can imagine that that can present quite a significant um, problem for particularly small businesses. Um, Especially in the context of identity, right? Like some of these right. statutory holidays, you may not identify with at all. Like, and it's, right. it's not part of your belief system, and yet you're being mandated mandated to close your businesses. Well, well I always and we, wonder- And we have the occasion where we've had something special go on like we did when the, when the Queen passed, um, and people had to stop and say, hold on, how many days are we gonna have close together? It, it almost like played out with Labor Day, and so are we asking business people to pay in a two-week work period for three days people aren't working? That's, and that's an important question. So when people have said, you know, there are so many people worldwide who celebrate, as an example, the Lunar New Year, perhaps there are more people celebrating Lunar New Year than there would be the calendar New Year that we use in Canada. Um, should we then say, well, it's about time that we closed and paid people for the Lunar New Year? Now, if you look at what goes on in China during the Lunar New Year, it's a period of travel. So people are actually on vacation for up to two weeks over the Lunar New Year. Now, I'm not sure what their standards are as far as how you pay people, but I will tell you about an interesting case in 1986. The Supreme Court of Canada decided a very important case that changed the way governments looked at obliging stores to close and businesses to close on certain days for religious reasons. Now, you guys are young, but uh, when I first lived in Canada, it was mandatory that stores close on Sundays. Uh, Sunday closing was obligatory. Stores were not permitted to be open on Sundays. There was a bookstore uh, in Toronto, Edwards Books, where the uh, owners were Jewish, and many of their employees were Jewish. And they said that having to close on Sunday when they and their employees celebrated a different Sabbath actually forced them to close two days two a days. week. Yep. And right. that this yep. was a hardship for the store when it had to close when it wasn't a holiday that they necessarily uh, were going to practice. So at first the discussion was, well, so long as they close on another day, then that would be fine. So, you know, if if the if that bookstore or others closed on Saturday, but opened Sunday, that would be considered reasonable. And then the, the question started to be asked, what about state neutrality? Now, state neutrality is um, not, we don't have the same guarantee that they have in the United States where they, uh, where church and state do not uh, intersect. We don't have that guarantee because, in fact, for example, our uh, Constitution starts with talking about the supremacy of God. So, you know, clearly it's not neutral on, on that. And if you look at Ontario and I believe also Alberta, there are uh, state-supported religious schools. So we don't really have the same guarantee of state neutrality. However, we do, or we're meant to, when it comes to such things as stores opening and closing. So the discussion moved from, you know, why why are you forcing some some places of business 
to have two days where they have to pay their employees for not working um, to saying, why would you have any? So the discussion came about saying, why should we oblige people to take a religious day off when they may or may not practice a religion at all or where their religion may not be on either of those two days, their, their religious holiday. It may be on, for example, if you, if you practice Islam, it might be on Friday. Um, right. So, you know, would we then say, okay, you, you can take those two days off or should we simply say this is a business and they can uh, work with their own employees and make a determination as to which days those employees take off and which days they don't take off. And we will have a certain number. So we have in Canada, 10 statutory general holidays. They do include religious holidays. They include Christmas. They include Good Friday. They yep. include Boxing Day. Those are religious holidays. In fact, whether you practice that religion or not, and most of us say, well, thank goodness we get a day off. That's, that's right. That's, you know, I like having a day off with pay. Who doesn't? Um, but other people have said, is it, is it time now to get rid of any kind of um, special dispensation for religion in any way. So there are people who want to go, you know, all the way, and they want to say, um, why do we give uh, religious institutions a charitable benefit? You know, why, why should uh, giving money to your uh, religious organization, your church or your synagogue or, or your temple or, or your mosque, be tax receivable, you know, mm. shouldn't that be something mm. that you just, you know, if you choose to give money to those organizations, well, you know, that's just fine, but you know, shouldn't it just be- And it gets be... sticky, right? Because yes, it it, yes, because of the causes and the initiatives, like if you're giving donations to it, even if it's not affiliated um, yeah. with the religious organization or institution, it still can be charitable whether right. it is or not, which is interesting. But I'm curious, Danielle, because, you know, you're mentioning several of these holidays, these statutory holidays are religious-based. Yeah. What would happen if we were to say, you know, you get the flexibility of taking off a religious holiday on your own terms and you get, you know, three a year, as an example, and you can kind of distribute that throughout? Like, around the table, what are what are your reactions to that? Because I, I always get curious, you know, for example, I have a, a Hindu background and no, I don't practice much, but there are some fun things throughout the year that I'd love to take part in, like Diwali, like Tamil New Year, like Daipongal. And unfortunately, that does not um, come with a a day off for me. That's right. And, you'd, and, and a day off with pay, shall mm -hmm. we say. I mean, you might be able to negotiate with your employer to have mm -hmm. that day off. But can you have that recognized in the same way as Christmas? Um, you know, if you were to say, uh, you know, I'll work Christmas. Right. Well, your employer might say, but we're not open on Christmas. Exactly. You know, you may want to work on Christmas. Um, you know, I know, for example, that the Ontario Science Centre is open every single day of the year except Christmas. And I always wondered, well, why not on Christmas? There are plenty of people who would choose to yeah. go to the science center because that's not necessarily a, a day that they, you know, that is special for uh, any purpose for them. And there are plenty of people working there who would also be quite happy to, to work and give the other people who do celebrate mm -hmm. Christmas that, that day off. So, you know, that, that's my question. I don't know the answer, you know, yeah. why mm -hmm. we don't, don't do either. it. I think, I think that, um, there's a kind of feeling that isn't it nice that we can all get together on this particular day off? I think so too. Because, I think you know, I agree with that, but maybe it's a, a matter of rebranding then. Maybe it's not Christmas. Yeah. Maybe it's a winter, a December, a January. Like that, yeah. because we're, we're going through that with so many other things around the country already, right? Rebranding yeah. what used to be because it just doesn't work anymore. Well, well we have you know, such a... A lot of different people coming to this country, a lot of people living here, Danielle, and yes. I know that we could sit here and say that's an enormous amount of potential time off work, and then how do you say to a person, yeah, but are you really practicing? Do you really deserve that day to take it or what you know I, and I know they'd start well, we'd have to have how many you're allowed how so I think that's where we back off 
Well, or, you know, I don't want the government to ever be in the business of determining whether mm. somebody That's is right. actually practicing when. a religious faith yes. or not. That would be a terrible infringement of freedom of religion as well as privacy. But, you know, if we did say you have 10 days off a year with pay, um, you and your employer can negotiate which days those are. And if it happens to be that Christmas is one of them and everybody else in your family takes that day off and manages to negotiate that, wonderful. And if you'd prefer to have the Jewish New Year or um, Taipungo off or, mm -hmm. you know, the, mm -hmm. we'll, yep. we can work around that. And I think it, yeah. it speaks to accommodation. You know, yep. how do we the, how do we reasonably accommodate everything? Exactly. Open conversations have to be. Danielle, appreciate yeah. it. Thank you as usual. Wonderful topic to bring up and discuss. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you and happy Lunar New Year. We talk about knowing our rights, ladies and gentlemen, and we do that with Danielle McLaughlin and kind of give us something to think about as we uh, as we wrap up the program. We'll do that, tell you what's up tomorrow, and see what the gang over at Now with Dave Brown has on tap for us right after this. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. It's that time, ladies and gentlemen. What we do is put the bow on the program at this point. We'd like to remind you, though, check out the show and our audio vanity card by exploring the podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. And at the end of hour two of the program, you can hear the audio vanity card provided by one of the team members. Check that out. Or the whole show at your convenience in case you, you can't be with us live or for one of the repeats or podcasting is your thing. Well, please take advantage. We're there, too. Uh, best of Kelly and Ramya on the weekends. You can enjoy that, too, on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. So with that being said, Ramya, from today's show... Maybe we ought to point a couple of segments out for folks to go back and enjoy. Yes, let's do that. Uh, talking tech with Michael Babcock, always learning something new. Now, of course, we've been discussing chat GPT on the show. We did it last week with uh, Christine Malik. I will still admit to not having tried it, but I'm very mm -hmm. curious. And the more that we kind of lean into what it offers, but also... It, be more conscious about what it doesn't do well. Um, yep. I think we yep. can have a very, you know, a, a full approach, right? Like a full picture of how it actually helps, but be aware of this or that. So he broke that, broke that down very well today. I love the fact that we're learning what this thing, the sky is the limit, uh, really, in your creativity. But um, I like his warning right off the top, folks, of, of what maybe the things we hope for we do but we'll be careful what you wish for and and how you utilize it i also enjoyed our talk with mark rankin we do a mobility discussion once a month on the show and mark shared his experience being a consultant on blindness a tv series that uh, ran for four years uh, really interesting the onset experience because a lot of time people go in they're there for a short time being a consultant you know they may be asked back but he spent a good solid three weeks uh helping them with the pilot for the series so really interesting stuff he reported back to us and let us know the now Dave Brown program, 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. What do they have coming up tomorrow? Well, here's a soul who can give us an idea. Paul Daniel joining us. Good day, sir. Hey, Kelly. On tomorrow's show, accessibility reporter Megan Gilmore discusses a new law introduced last month in New Brunswick allowing people with intellectual disabilities to make their own decisions through supported decision-making. Nelson Rego from Cool Blind Tech will tell us how to sound better during iPhone calls using the mic mode. And mm. Tuesday wouldn't be Tuesday if we didn't have our weekly news quiz. Oh, no participants? No, what? Yes, it's, it's usually it's, tell it's, us. Oh, it's gonna. Oh, pardon me. It's, it's the usual suspect. No, it actually, it's different time. It'll be Jim Crisco from Edmonton, uh, Alex, of course, and Bruce Baclarian, one of our tech people, filling oh. in. That is nice. Okay, you had me scared for a moment. I thought maybe well, you we were going to be using the bot too. <laughs> Asking questions of the bot. How would we do a cool? Yeah, exactly. I thought for sure you were. Good heavens, man! I thought, oh, that'll that'll give you a run for your question making up money. <laughs> we need to have you, Kelly, on the news quiz. Ah. Oh boy, there's a there's a guy shot. Or right there. Awesome yeah. idea. Get Ramya's Kelly on it. next week. It. Yeah, yeah, you've I done have. it. Ramya or Ramya. I've run away real fast after that. Oh, with it? A win? Wow. No, no. Oh, that's not what she meant. I took I, my I loss and well. left. <laughs> 
<laughs> she was, but she was gracious as always, though. Gracious as always. Well, oh, that's yeah. because you didn't hear the swearing off camera. Please graciously don't invite me back on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it, pal. We'll talk Take to you tomorrow. Uh, now with Dave Brown on the air at 9 a.m. in the morning. You can also find them available to you as a podcast. Well, that's it for our show today. Uh, I'd love to tell you, though, because some really cool things on the show tomorrow. Yeah, as usual, uh, Lucia Belafonte will be with us to talk about some ways that parents can promote literacy at home. And, Ramya, she's got some exciting news to share with us. That's right. Something you can go check out afterwards as well. So looking forward to that. Uh, plus, we're talking ice baths with <laughs> Frances Wong on our wellness segment. She's going to talk about why they're good for us, what kind of benefits they actually do give us. And I don't know if you've ever tried it yourself, Kelly, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scared already. Well, I, I hear the um, NBA guys talk about it, and it just kills me. They sit there, you know, be talking to the press and just say, okay, guys, I'm done here. I got to get in there for my ice bath. And I'm just thinking, 15 minutes of that? Yeah! Ouch! That Forget it. Oh, talk to you tomorrow. Talk Ladies to you and gentlemen, Fedora's off to you. Have a wonderful night. Catch you at 2 p.m. Eastern. Have a great night. So I like getting into this conversation about what I've started to redo since the pandemic. And it's been tough. Um, I'm still a believer in wearing my mask. I still cart it along with me, especially if I have Rogers or Bell or anyone in here doing work, uh, especially at home. Uh, it just feels like I need that extra security or certainly at least at home I can keep a distance because I know my space. So go ahead, do your work, and and I'm out of there. Uh, I started going to my London Lightning basketball games on the weekend, and, you know, not too bad. Um, I've been around other crowds. I do feel with the impending new strain uh, of of COVID to really start being vigilant, and that's the same with any groups that I happen to be in or be around. I mean, a lot of time when you're with people you know, you kind of know where they've been, but nobody knows where they've been that, that, that COVID was lurking and could already be at them. Uh, So I think it's that thing to be careful of. I don't want to lose the masking. But when I do my walking, you know, I often get up here and get ready to get another coffee. So I grab a 10-minute walk up and down the hallway to get the back worked out and everything like that before returning to work. In there, when I'm alone, I don't wear the mask. If someone comes out of their place and goes to the elevator, I'll stay at one end of the hallway and cycle back and forth. Especially not wearing a mask, I'm considering that they may not want me walking past them, even though they're standing in an area I've just been huffing and puffing and walking up and down anyway. But it, it's some of those things. I'm not sure it's enough. I think in time we, we, we will start to learn. I've been feeling pretty pretty good and pretty aware, um, but it, it doesn't matter whether you're vigilant or not, it's going to get to you at some point in my belief. Uh, So all I can do is be as careful as I can be and do the things that I think are right to protect me, the people in my world, so that I'm not walking and handing it to somebody else. And think about areas of where I'm going to be in jeopardy. There are things I have to do, and I do have to go to Toronto, do have to do work, have to ride the train. I don't drive and can hide myself in the bubble of a car. Uh, It doesn't work that way. We do need to live. We do need to be careful and look out for the other person. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.